Have you ever wondered how we record the Metal Exchange? For the last three years, we've been using Zencaster for all things podcast related. And without Zencaster, the Metal Exchange wouldn't be brought to you each and every week. Now it's your turn. It's super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. Log in using your browser and start recording a high quality podcast right away. Record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. If you've thought about podcasting before and realized that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations, just like us. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code MetalExchange and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time for you to share your story. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris back again, episode 194. And the time has come. We are obviously doing this album by request because I don't think there's any chance in hell either one of us would have selected this. Uh, So a little shout out to all of our Patreon fans who get to pick these albums. We have come to Metallica's magnum opus saint anger but before we get into all things saint anger how was the rest of your week my friend <laughs> Not, probably just about as good as having to listen to this album so yeah it was everything was uh, at least consistent if nothing else <laughs> I, I hear you i hear you um when you were not listening to to this gem of an album did you have a chance to listen to anything else that uh, might have served as a palate cleanser yeah, to say the least. Um, I actually fine, uh, firmed up a, a new playlist um, earlier today, and it had some uh, cool things on it. I, I'm going to post it probably, I don't know, probably before the end of this year, I'm hoping, <laughs> <laughs> if, I can, if I can actually. You got, you got a lot on your plate, young man, so it's Yeah, okay. if I can remember. Uh, but the very first thing I, I want to uh, mention is a band called Zornheim. Um the uh, one of the members of the band reached out to me on threads of all of the uh, social media outlets that were on. I think that was one of the first times someone had reached out on threads, which was pretty cool. Um, but they uh, the reason that he had reached out was because he had um, become aware of the podcast through the uh, Symphony of Enchanted Lands Rhapsody episode that we did a couple of weeks ago. And, and he was saying that his band um is inspired quite a bit by Rhapsody or and that era of Rhapsody, but however it's it's kind of done in a uh black and and death metal sort of way. It's a symphonic black slash death metal band. Um they're from uh Sweden and um their most recent album came out in twenty twenty one. It was called the Zornheim Sleep Experiment. Uh, it was their second full-length album. They released an EP last year called The Forgotten Inmates that had some 
um, you know, like interesting remakes of some of their, their songs. But, um, I, the, the song that, um, they recommended to me was, uh, Slumber Comes in Time, which is from that, uh, Sleep Experiment album. And I really dug this song. I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest black or death metal fan in the world, as we all know, but, um, the, the, the way that they, mixed in that symphonic kind of sound really made it interesting to me. So um, that will be the opening track on my uh, second playlist of 2024. Um, I'm not even sure if I've gotten to post the first one yet, but um, I might just have to do a playlist dump at some point, but uh, <laughs> let me just, you, you listen to this too. What were your thoughts? Yeah, you, you had sent this to me. I, I, I admittedly am not the biggest threads guy uh, and, and you are a much bigger social media guy than I am. However, I, I did have a chance to listen to this and I was really, really impressed. I thought the melody was fantastic and I think I have a little bit more of a uh, palette for for this kind of stuff. It was great. I really enjoyed it. I think that the, the future is bright. I hope they put out some new stuff. I have to go back and check out some of their older material. Not that they have a, a dearth of stuff, but I'm, I'm definitely going to post one of these tracks this week because I think more people need to hear this stuff. The future is bright. I'm glad he, I'm glad he reached out. Yeah, me too. So uh, if you're listening, thank you for the recommendation. And we'll be keeping an eye out and an ear out for uh, future releases from the band. A um, couple other things. Um, we uh, we really didn't get a chance to talk about much new last week. So um, I guess we're kind of playing a little bit of catch up. But um, did we have a chance to talk about the new Master Plan single, Rise Again? I think we I posted it to our socials, but I don't know that we had a chance to talk about it. What do you what do you th- what do you think? I, I loved it. I I um first of all I felt as if we were so overdue. I mean Master Plan has uh I mean the last time they released a, a non covers <laughs> non Halloween covers album was around the time that they played at Prague Power when we saw them. Um and that, that album was when, was fantastic, uh, by the way. That was a really yeah. solid release. But it it was a while ago. Yeah. Um and so this is the first um, original master plan song since that album came out in 20, uh, 2015. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, 2013. Novum and Initium. Um, they've released a live album in DVD Blu ray, a album of uh, Halloween covers, and now it sounds as if they will be uh, releasing uh, a, a new album this year, which also happens to be. Um, I think it's actually not the 20th anniversary of their uh, self-titled album. The 21st anniversary of this will be this year. Uh, this album came out in 2003, but I know that um, the 20th anniversary edition of uh, the self-titled debut album was released, uh, I believe, in January. There's a bonus. Um, actually, it did come out at the end of last year in Europe. I think it didn't come out in the in the States until January and that might be where my confusion lies but uh I want to pick that one up because there's a DVD on it of a live performance from back in the you know early days of Master Plan which is a really uh something I really would want to check out um so anyway uh long story long uh <laughs> I I thought the new single was really good I love Rick Altsy's vocals um it's just different enough from Yorn. It, it has that raspiness to it, but I think that the body of his voice is different. Um, and I think it really fits. And uh, you can tell this is just kind of uh, Roland doing his his thing, his songwriting. Uh, really great tune. I'm excited to, to hear the uh, 
the full album when it comes out, uh, hopefully before the end of this year. You took the words out of my mouth with the whole, uh, it's been a while. I, I couldn't believe looking back how long it had been since we've heard original material from this band, especially when you factor in that they've only been around for just over 20 years. And, it, you know, it took about 10 for, for us to get this single. So not only am I looking forward to the album, not only is that something we should consider talking about on the podcast in long form just because I feel like it's a band that we we should go back to but also it's interesting that you know in, in many ways it's a band that I'm dying to see live again even though I loved that first set I thought it was absolutely phenomenal it was like a greatest hits set I would love to hear another set maybe sprinkle in some Halloween covers just because I'm a mark for some of that stuff but just a great band. It's nice to have them back. And um, it was a surprise. I, I did not know that they were coming out with a single. So when it dropped, it was a bit of a shock, but a pleasant surprise to say the least. Yeah, no doubt. Um, same goes for the band uh, Aryan, who um, I believe you – did you say you saw them on the uh, on the cruise? Yeah, I caught one of their sets or at least cruise. part of one of their sets. Uh, <laughs> did they play their new song, Wings of Twilight? You know, I don't – they played, I think th- – or I heard three new songs in the set, if I'm not mistaken. So, yes, I think. I can't – I wouldn't swear to it. But I, I never in my life did I think I would ever see this band live, let alone twice. So I guess I'm doing something right. Yeah, well, um, they dropped the new single. It features, uh, shocker, Melissa Bonney. Uh, <laughs> Everybody's favorite guess, guest spot. Yeah. Uh, songs called Wings of Twilight. Um, it does not look like it is on a future release. It, it's, it's being released as a single. That doesn't mean it will not be on a full length album upcoming, but they are due. So, uh, I thought that was quite good as well. And, um, I, I also just want to mention, um, one other band and and it's a band that we've covered on the podcast uh descendants descendants of erdrick um they have not released an album in quite some time and they dropped a two track uh, i guess you'd call it ep or single on their Bandcamp page um it's called the 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 ep is called the mythology origins these two tracks will be on their next full length release which is supposed to come out later this year they um have one track called Alchemy, which is a um, medley of songs from Wizards and Warriors to Iron Sword. Uh, some may remember that uh, game as the one with Fabio, not Fabio Leone, but <laughs> Fabio, the uh, Italian model who Wait, appeared not the on same the cover. Person? Of... No, no. You can tell by the hairstyle. That's true. Actually, that, that's fair. Um, he was on the cover of that game. Uh, and the second track is uh, from Final Fantasy Tactics and is called Equinox. So um, one of the things I noticed when listening to this is that now that um, Lauren, who was their flute, flute player when we covered their that uh, album, uh, Thanks a Million, uh, back in October, uh, since she's no longer with the band, you don't have that kind of over um, that overarching flute sound. Um, it, it's more of a traditional kind of a power metal-esque um, game cover sound. Um, and um, I know some people didn't really love the production on the album that we covered, and I think that the production on this is, is a lot better or probably a lot more palatable to uh, certain ears, which is ironic considering the album we're discussing today. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> there's probably a few other things I listen to too, but I don't want to yammer on for too long. So... Um, I will uh, defer to you for anything else that uh, may have 
come your way this week? Well, first and foremost, an EP was released by a band that we've not talked about, but by a band that I've liked for a long time. But I had a little bit of trepidation just because they have a singer change. And whenever that happens, it could go one of two ways. And I still am not entirely sure if I like the new singer or not. I think I do. I don't know that he's as good as the former singer, but the the band is Persephone, and they released a new EP uh, after uh, quite a quite a bit of time, I suppose. But they released a new EP, uh, and I, I love the music. It was a little more straightforward than some of their more proggier stuff that they had been coming out with the last few years. It's called Lingua Ignata Part One. One can only assume Part Two is not too far behind, although. Ask pain of salvation about the perfect element. So I, I don't. Maybe. Well, maybe. Maybe there is a. Maybe there is a, a part two coming. It was enjoyable, and I've listened to it twice, and I think I'm going to keep going back to it because there was something charming about it. And even though I don't think the vocalist was as notable as as the prior, it wasn't bad. It was just a little bit different. And so I, I would encourage people to listen to that. I will try to post one of their tracks this week, and um. The other band I kind of just wanted to mention, and I might have mentioned them recently, but uh, a band that was new to me, Matter Mortem, a doomy band with like this female vocalist. And I had heard a new single and there was something about it that really just grabbed me. And I'd never heard anything by these uh, by this band. They released a new album called Old Eyes, New Heart. And my honest review after two listens a little bit unbalanced. There were certain songs that I loved and other songs which didn't grab me as much, but there was enough there that I'll be going back to this one as well. And uh, that first song, Coming From The Dark, that which kind of kicks this thing off, is probably my favorite song of the year so far. But again, the, the, as you get deeper into the album, it loses me just a touch. But I, I certainly think it's worth at least one listen, so I, I wanted to mention it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sounds great. Uh, what doesn't sound great is the album that we are covering this week. And you kind of tossed that one up as a softball. And I, I don't even know if it was intentional, but alas, here we are. Metallica's Saint Anger. Let, let me let me paint the picture. First of all, again, thank you to all of our Patreon members. If you want to... for Keith. Uh, everybody except Keith. We want to <laughs> thank you for all the requests. We love doing request episodes. We've got a bunch more in the queue and invite everybody else to keep them coming in the coming months and and whatnot. And if we get even more, we'll probably do more than one a month. But this was a request that has been on the list for a long time. And and Keith Nickel has been a longtime listener of the show. 
We appreciate that. I'm glad to hear that you're finally feeling better after getting the flu on 70K. But the, me- the metal gods paying you back for your selection. That's right. If, if, if pray to Rob Halford and, 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 and good things happen. Uh, this, this, this is something that I think we've, in a sense, been putting off for a while. We tried really hard to get all these requests in, but I have been dreading this for a long time. And just to give you a little peek behind the curtain, about two weeks ago, I had tried to sit down and listen to this album. And after two songs, I had to turn it off. I couldn't take it. That's like my first impression. I literally couldn't listen to the album. But I forced myself because that is what we do here by request. And we are, in short, going to try to do our best to give an honest assessment of this album. And I know, obviously, we're poking fun out of it and and. I don't know anyone that actually likes this album. Let me let me start there. I mean, it won a Grammy, but yet I don't know anyone that actually likes this album. And if you do, please tell me why, because I don't appreciate it. But I tried. Um, let me just kind of set the stage a little bit. Can I can I stop you for a second? My guest. It won a Grammy. We'll get there. We'll get oh, there. Oh God, um, that's. I mean, I, I already had very little respect for the Grammys to begin with, but this this might. Uh... Oh no! It, it is incredible that in 2004, the title track, which mind you, might be one of the worst songs on the album. I want to start there. Won best metal performance. What the fuck? I mean, like, what else can I say? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Th- this album. It, it, it's so weird, uh, right? And and I think it's emblematic of the times, and that's something I want to talk about. But the long and the short of it is June 5th, 2003, after six long years since Reload had come out, Metallica releases their eighth studio album. And, and let me also say that since then, they've come out with three more studio albums. Good to varying degrees, listenable, pass- passable to varying degrees, I would listen to the new album every day for the rest of my life if it meant I didn't have to hear this album ever again. I mean, like it's just this album is an anomaly in many ways, and I do think it is a sign of the times. Uh, Metallica obviously had those first four albums, which were simply put some of the best metal albums ever made. You know, they get a little old in the tooth potentially, but like there is just some phenomenal material and all the accolades are well deserved. They come out with a self-titled Black album in 1991, obviously going for more commercial appeal. And they hit that out of the park with, you know, an album that I think is still on the Billboard charts. It just, you know, it's one of the most seminal metal albums, whether you like it or not. It is. And, and I think everyone would agree there's some good stuff on there. Some people still love it, and and that's great. They come out with Load and Reload in 1996 and 1997, and that was a stark departure for the band. Those albums do not sound like classic Metallica, and there was a lot of pushback from the fan base as a result of those albums. And quite frankly, I actually think those albums have aged well for the band because there's actually some really good stuff on there when you kind of forget who recorded it. And then you, and then all of a sudden there's this long hiatus. There's some issues in terms of band members. Jason Newstead leaves the band, uh, alcohol issues and rehab issues. And the band was clearly in the position where they needed to put out a new album. And lo and behold, not long before this, you know, five, six, seven years before this, the whole new metal thing hits the scene. Bands like Korn, Limp Biscuit, and so on and so forth. 
before we get into the songs, and we'll get there shortly, I believe this was their attempt to dip their toe into the new metal genre. It just didn't work. And it was almost like they were trying to stay relevant and keep up with the times because some of the bands I mentioned, other bands like Slipknot and Mudvayne, these bands were really big at the turn of the century. And I think Metallica was trying to not only imitate, but kind of grab or gravitate, you know, or have some of those fans gravitate towards one of these classic bands that have been around for 20 plus years at this point. They even went out on tour with some of these bands in 2003 to kind of celebrate this album. Uh, they did the Summer Sanitarium Tour with the Limp Biscuit, the Deftones, Linkin Park, and Mudvayne. And then they would go out and they would do another leg of the tour in 2004 with Godsmack and, and the Lost Prophets and Slipknot. I mean, they were going out with the biggest bands of the time with an album that kind of catered to those fans. The problem is if you weren't into new metal or alternative metal or whatever you want to call it, this was just a swing in the miss for anybody that liked thrash or classic 80s metal. It was just so different. Do you you agree with what I'm saying or is this – or am I like way off base here? Because that's what – when I kept listening to this, unfortunately, I kept hearing like shades of corn. And I'll be honest, like I can – stomach that for what it is but this is just unpalatable to me in many ways um i don't disagree with anything that you're saying i will say that i i get the new metal comparison at least um as far as the 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 instruments go um but i feel like where it doesn't really compared to that is that the lyric or the, the, I should say the vocals are more, you're not getting kind of that mix of like rap, which I think a lot of new metal kind of had like a rap kind of element to it. And I think that's what, to me, I, when I think of new metal, I think of this marriage of rap and kind of an alternative style of metal. Um, this is definitely has more of an alternative style of metal than um, any metallic album. I think before or since, um, and so I definitely agree with you that like, of course, like the bands of the time they're going out touring with them. There's definitely some similarities there, but, um, I, I yeah, to me, it's just like, <laughs> the, I, I don't know. Like the, the band, like to me, they like were, they spent like a long time almost trying to figure out what their identity was. You know, it's like they were, you know, like you said, like the, the thrash band of the eighties, um, leading the way. I, I, I tend to put the black album in the same pile as the previous three albums. I'm not the biggest kill em all fan, but the other three albums before the black album are all just vintage eighties thrash metal. I love the black album. I, when I first heard it, it was one of, it was my first metallic album. So like, I just thought that's what the band sounded like. And now in retrospect, yeah, there's definitely a, a level of polish to it that the previous albums didn't have. And I think that in retrospect, I think fans would have been okay if that was just the direction that they were going to go, that it was still thrash metal, but just with a little bit of a, you know, radio polish to it. And then, they come out with load and reload, which are two albums that I actually enjoy quite a few songs from, but it's definitely more of like a hard rock album than a metal album. Yeah. And then they go to this, which is like this, you know, there's, I think like 
elements of thrash here and there, but it's mostly covered up by whatever else. And the other thing too, that's, that's just so infuriating about this album and, and we'll get into the, the production and the sound and everything, but the length of the songs, these songs are so drawn out. The song St. Anger is really just the same song repeated. Like it doesn't need to be seven minutes long because it's just one song played twice. And it's like (laughs) that with a lot of these longer songs that are like, you know, seven or eight minutes long. And you know, this is not unusual. I mean, the songs on death magnetic are also all almost entirely over six or seven minutes long also, but something about that album to me was a little bit more in the ballpark of what the diehard Metallica fans wanted to hear. It it was almost like a return to the original sound. I don't think the songwriting ever reached the heights of, of the, the, you know, uh, Master of Puppets, Ride the Lightning, and Justice for All Black album era. Like, I think that was just their peak songwriting era. Um, but uh, I quite enjoyed uh, Death Magnetic and, and then the two albums that followed as well. But, man, this was really, like, my first time sitting down and listening to St. Anger. Like, I don't know that I ever actually listened to it because it was just so universally panned and disliked that it just didn't seem like it was worth listening to. That said... I was very familiar with the title track because it was the theme song to SummerSlam 2003. And so it was on every Raw episode of Raw and SmackDown ad nauseum. But they'd play it for like 30 seconds. And it, I really liked it. Like, it was 30 seconds. It was perfect. Um, and so I remember this song super well. The rest of the album, the rest of the album, I do did not know. I don't know if there's any songs that any Metallica fans happen to hold in high regard. Um, the only thing that even sounded slightly familiar to me was some kind of monster. And I think that's only because that was the name of the documentary. So um, yeah, this was really kind of an education for me. Um, but then like, it's weird because some of the reviews were really strong, um, which is really odd because I've never talked to anybody that had a kind thing to say about this album. Yeah, I, I, I point you to Exhibit A, Master of Puppets, and Exhibit B, One. The band can write good songs that happen to be long. The problem is without any solos to break up the songs, number one, and number two, without any discernible difference between what is otherwise a verse and a chorus, it was like they took spaghetti and just threw it against the wall to see if it stuck. And it was like they had all these ideas. Many of them were not very good, but they had a bunch of ideas and said, let's cut and paste some of these ideas, stick them together into a song, and then just put it on a loop for an extended play all of which creates an album that is just not very good. I had extreme difficulty picking a song of the week this week because I didn't find any of these to be rather enjoyable. And at its core, it is the same formula that they've been using for years. And by that, I mean James Hetfield, Lars Ulrich, Kirk Hammett, and their longtime producer who played bass on the album, Bob Rock. So it's not like these guys have not made music together. 
Say what you will about Load and Reload, but as a hard rock song, King Nothing, not a bad song. Fuel, not a bad song. And again, I'm not suggesting that these songs are as good as Trapped Under Ice or, or, you know, For Whom the Bell Tolls. I'm not saying that. But in a vacuum, those are enjoyable songs with a standard structure that you can kind of sink your teeth into. And they're varying degrees of good. Some people will say it's a little below average. Some might say they're a very good song. Others may love those songs that I just mentioned. I don't see how anybody, any critic could say that these songs are great. And then, and then you combine all of that with production that would honestly make me want to long for the last Iron Maiden album. And I shat on that production two years ago when that album came out. This is, in, this is an incredible piece of music because it's 75 minutes and it probably could have been 35 minutes. I don't think my opinion would be all that different, but 75 minutes makes it just borderline unlistenable. Well, I, I uh, point people in the direction of, of YouTube. Somebody took the time to remake <laughs> St. Anger. Um, and it, it's, the video is actually called St. Anger, but if it were good, um, <laughs> which I found. And it's, what's weird is that I Googled this because I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if somebody's ever recorded, like tried to re-record this album and make it sound at least from a production standpoint, a little bit more tolerable. Um, and this guy, uh, his name is uh, Michael Shea. Um, he has... Um, where is it? Uh, Two hundred and twenty-nine thousand views on this uh, this video of um, basically a re-recording of Saint Anger. Um, what he did was pretty much just took uh, James's vocals and then re and then re-recorded everything from the ground up, um, which makes the you know the snare sound way more tolerable. But what he also did was he cut down some of these tracks and the entire album comes in at just under 55 minutes. It's actually, uh, it makes the album rather listenable. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's really interesting and I definitely recommend, uh, that it is that you, you guys check it out. Um, but one of the things that blew my mind as I was doing this little search on YouTube is the next video that came up was the video for, Saint Anger, the the title track of the of the album, has uh two. Wait, I'm sorry, thirty seven million views oh on YouTube. Gosh. Um, this music video that was filmed, I think, in an actual uh, prison. Um, <laughs> so How fitting. Somebody liked it, <laughs> or was just so curious. I mean, I, I it, this is. This this has been an experience, to say the least. The tracks, like I said, this thing clocks in at 75 minutes. It's 11 songs. Some of these songs simply didn't need to be there. Others could have been cut down. That being said, I am curious if there's any song that you liked, like genuinely liked. And so when you pick your track of the week, which I have to assume is probably going to be your favorite of these tracks... I'm really curious to see your opinion because I, I do have a track of the week. I do hit the microphone. No, I do I do have a track of the week. 
and I, I will get there, but it was it was truly a struggle. So we've gone about a half an hour at this point. Let's let's get into it. This album kicks off with a song called Frantic, and you immediately know that this album is trash, right? As soon as as soon as the song kicks off, because you have this drum sound, and again, I'll call them new metal guitars because I feel like everything is down tuned to a fault. I don't like the main riff because I think it's repetitive and kind of gimmicky and it just sounds like a bad corn ripoff to me. And like at that point, I'll just go listen to the first corn album. Like again, not my thing, although maybe I enjoyed it more in 1996, but like I, I just, I couldn't get over that. And then you get to these lyrics. My lifestyle determines my death style. It is the worst lyrics from a band that had some pretty cool lyrics earlier on in their career. The bridge sounds like it's kind of just slapped on, almost like the guy that does the commercial with that like thing where you he's kind of fixing the leaks and he just slaps the black thing on there. To I mean, like that's that's what it felt like to me. It's like bam, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the bleeding by by slamming this thing. I, I don't know where the verses begin. I don't know where the choruses begin, and it's just it's the best thing I can say about it is that it's one of the shortest songs on the album at under six minutes. I, 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 I find this song to be deplorable on a, on an album of deplorables. Uh, I, I have to and say, being this is nice, some Chris, of... I'm being nice when I say all oh, those things. I believe you. Um, I, I, I would say some of the most aggressive, uh, vocals by James Hetfield that I had heard up until this point, like that, that part where he's just screaming about TikTok. <laughs> uh, not the app. I don't think he was that uh, that he had that much foresight. But um, apparently, this was a, a song that, um, like many others on this album, uh, was written about the band's struggles with addictions, uh, particularly Hufffield's alcohol problem, which I believe the recording of this album actually had to halt because of uh, him having to uh, spend time in rehab. Um, this is just going to be me repeatedly just saying that like, it's fine. Like, I, I don't find it offensive. I'm I don't think it's very good. It. It's I'm just actually there. Offended like, by it. I, so I, you're a better well, man than I, <laughs> I, I kind of feel the, this way about really the entire album is that like, it's just very, I don't think it, I actually don't think the album sucks. I just think that it's very, it's just middling start to finish. Like it just, it, Nothing ever really. There's there's no melodies that like Metallica is a band that had some melodies on some of those songs that you would remember forever. Um, there, so you know, there's no melodies. There, there's the the songs are drawn out and they're not drawn out in a prog way where there's a lot of things happening in an eight minute window. It's really just kind of the same thing. A lot of these longer seven or eight minute songs are really like the same song on repeat. Um, but I think in and of itself, like it, it just, everything is just fine. I just think it's like, nobody wants a, just a fine album from Metallica. They want a great album. And so like, I, I think the combination of the change in the change in style with the weird production, with the, the, the really uh, unfathomable change in, in snare drum sound that Lars went with here, which is really difficult I liken it to 
when you're at a concert and you're right next to a speaker and you know that when somebody hits that bass drum or whatever, that you're going to wince each time that note hits. And that's kind of how I feel when I hear that sound. And you can go on YouTube and there are drummers that will do covers of songs and they'll be like, in the style of St. Anger, Lars Ulrich drumming. And they're slamming a a drumstick on a beer keg. And that's the sound that, that, that this sounds like to that me, for whatever reason, like Lars was just drawn to during this recording. It's really, I mean, maybe there's some people like, maybe it's like cilantro where, you know, how some people taste like soap. Um, <laughs> I don't know if like, this is like some people hear this and like, Oh, this is pleasant. Cause to me, it's like, it, it it's un, it, it's unpleasant. It, it but, I think after a while, it just, you just start to get used to it. It is what it is. So like, yeah, I mean, this is, again, this is just going to be me like repeating myself a lot, but like, I just thought all the songs were like, just okay. I don't know that there was anything that I thought like outright sucked. I even think that there's albums we've talked about that I may have even disliked more than this. Really? Um, I, I just, oh, man. I just thought it was just, I just thought it was very long and drawn out and boring, but like not necessarily shitty just it was just like a lot of just like just middling kind of stuff like it just to me that sounds like a compliment and i'm offended by i it. guess but like let's go to the title track for example track number two to me the drums really pop on this and it you liken it to a beer keg to me it's like you took a drumstick and hit an aluminum chair and you just hit that aluminum chair over and over again and on a track like St. Anger, which, again, I don't understand how this thing won an award, the verses, not just the drums, but the whole production of the verses sounds like somebody recorded it on a four-track, almost like it's a demo, and then they released it. It just doesn't make sense. Um, and, and, and to be honest, on this one, and again, I promised somebody I would say I would not say to be honest, but I, I know I've been saying it, Hetfield raps on this one. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. And the gall, the temerity to even use the words, hit the lights. Who, who how dare you compare this to anything on, on Kill Em All? Who do you think you are? This is terrible. And it's repetitive. Like you said, it's so repetitive. This song doesn't need to be seven minutes and 21 seconds. Tell me why you liked it more than I did. I'll, 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 I'll hang up and listen. Uh, the first three and a half minutes of St. Anger is my song of the week. Stop it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I I just... Chris. I just always, I oh, always like this song. All right. I'll, I'll, I just think that it's... I just think that the fact that this is a seven-minute song is so unnecessary because this song is... Does everything it needs to do in under four minutes. Um, but the parts of the song that, you know, repeat again for another three and a half minutes... <laughs> I actually enjoy and it brings back memories of, of, you know, visiting you guys and watching SummerSlam. And, uh, I don't know. I, I just never disliked this song. Um, I think it's the, the, the best in a, in a mediocre pile of, you know, just okay songs, but this is the only one that had any sort of nostalgic value to me and nothing else really impressed me enough to, break the nostalgia pick. So that's kind of where I'm at. I know that's a <laughs> lackluster description for a song of the week, but that's kind of where my head's at. And it, it never really left that gear from 
the, the beginning of, of this process. Let's give it a listen. I apologize. So you, another song that you had mentioned, some kind of monster from the documentary that followed this album. I guess they call this an epic song. It's nearly eight and a half minutes. And I'll be honest, the riff that kicks this thing off, not so bad. But then it kind of goes south fast for me with those syncopated drum beats and what I would just call uninspired bass lines. But to be fair, I, I thought Jason Newstead was on the album until I realized that it was kind of a fill-in. So I, I can't even criticize the bass because it's really just... Uh, you know, a studio session thing with with Rob, uh, with um, with Bob Rock. But that being said, I, this song has like a bit of a poor man's doom metal vibe going with like the thrash drums behind it. They don't sound good, but like it's kind of interesting. Uh, but again, it sounds like they're they're hitting Oscar the Grouch's trash can with that <laughs> with that symbol. Um, I don't know. Again, verses here sound a bit rap to me, but what I what I notice more than anything and on this song and others is that James Hetfield's vocals sound strained and, and you can almost see that he's dealing with some issues in his personal life here. Again, not so much in the lyrics or the approach, but it just lacks the force and the power that it had before this album and even after this album. And I almost felt bad for them. This song has a bit of a Rob Zombie quality to it as well. Uh, just in- there's like a sludginess to yeah. the the guitar work that I don't think we ever really heard Metallica do before this. Yeah, and 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 to be honest, I almost feel like this song, like your last one, it, it's you cut down the you cut down the song in half with better drums, and you might be onto something. But as presented, not not good. Yeah, again, it's just it's fine. Like I, I kind of like the. Um, I like the guitar work towards the beginning of the song. It reminds me of um, reminds me a bit of Queens of the Stone Age, actually. Um, and again, it's like all the things that this album reminds us of are of other bands instead of oh, <laughs> Metallica. Metallica who's yeah, like, yeah, uh, who should have you know this iconic sound to it. So, um, but you know, and again, like I told you earlier, I'm just going to keep repeating myself. Like it's. I think it's an okay song. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's good. It's just it's just there, but it's listenable. I, there, there's probably people that say that this album is unlistenable, and I won't argue with them. I mean, because I'm kind of on the fence. <laughs> but it, you know, honestly, at no point did I, while listening to this album, did I like really 
hate myself or Keith or you or 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 anybody. Um, <laughs> He's it's just, supposed to be to do I this think, podcast, and now I have to listen yeah, to Snake Anger. I think it helped that I was like working a lot of the time I was listening to it, so that the seven or eight minute songs didn't feel quite as long. If I was just sitting there with headphones on, I think I might be just be like, "All right, just end already." But um, I don't know. Like, I, I this was surprisingly not as bad as I thought, like just the whole album in a macro sense, just not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I think that it's just because the album has been shat on so much (laughs) since it's come out that like, I was really expecting it to be even worse than it actually is. But then again, it's still just, you know, it's just there. Like, it's just okay. Like it's, it's, you could tell that there's a lot of, aggression and the album feels very aggressive and um it's one of the reviews said that um it's just a focused relentless attack and i think that that's a good way of of putting it It, it's just that i it just doesn't ever really like it just doesn't ever really like take off like it just kind of like sticks i don't know it just stays in like this middle area and and the fact that they felt like they needed to insist on making the songs as lo- as long as they are, maybe this would be a little more tolerable if the, the songs were just cut down a little bit. Like it, it's it's just to me like like I said, it, in a a dream theater twelve minute song, they're gonna make it so interesting that it's not gonna feel twelve minutes. It's just gonna feel like four three minute songs, whereas a lot of these songs are really just very repetitive and don't need to be this long. And again, I point you to that YouTube video. Maybe we should post it during the week. Cause it's really worth hearing like what this album could have been with a little bit of a different, um, you know, bet like a better drum recording or less harsh drum recording and, and, and the, like the tracks cut down a little bit. Um, I thought it was really cool. Um, and, I, I don't know. I think the album would have been, a, I don't think it still would have been what the worst Metallica album ever, but it would have been a better version of it. Listen, uh, I, I, I obviously have a difference of opinion, but I understand what you're saying. I think another example is dirty window. The next track, it's one of the shortest tracks on the album. I think it's the second shortest. It's under five and a half minutes. It's kind of upbeat. But there's nothing to grab onto. Like, I, there's no hooks here for me. And there's changes of tempo throughout, seemingly for no reason. I completely forgot about this track. And I should be clear. When the album came out, I listened to it once. And I haven't listened to it in 20 years. So I didn't <laughs> you know, I didn't like it then. That was one more time than I did. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, but there's just something about this randomness. this this The way they put this together, I, I just don't appreciate it and they at one point towards the end Hetfield does this King Diamond-esque scream that just makes you long for Abigail like I just I just not that good I I don't get it I don't get it do you have any difference of opinion on this one or is this one just you know much like the others yeah it's fine um I kind of like the part I I like the part where it kind of quiets down and you hear the the bass line but then like Headfield comes in and starts like screaming these stupid rhyming words and like ruins no the whole thing. Like it's it, it's almost kind of like goofy. Um, yeah, but I do like like I thought that part was kind of cool. Like just kind of quiets down and you hear the bass line and I know that like we're not focusing 
or the band was not focusing on probably bass lines on this album since they were in between bassists. But um, you know, it, it's just another another okay song. I, I you know, middle of the road um, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I I think that's fair. The next track is called Invisible Kid, and this was another one where this song kicks off, and I immediately find it just completely abrasive and offensive. I just don't <laughs> like it, and it's that incessant banging on the steel chair like i want my steel chairs in wrestling i don't want them on my albums like full stop uh credit to the pacing. i want my beer kegs in my living room i do not want them on my album <laughs> there you go uh credit to the pacing i think there's a nice head cadence to this in spots i think that it's got a bit of a catchy groove to it so i'll give credit where credit is due this song is not as bad overall as some of the prior ones but it's too long and it's missing a guitar solo. And like, if you put those elements into it, you might be onto something. The chorus has this, or at least what I discern to be the chorus has this bit of an ephemeral quality to it with layered vocals that are also weird and unnecessary. And he's just got these whiny vocals during the bridge. It's almost like a poor man's poor man's Glenn Danzig. It's a miss. And yet somehow better than the stuff that came before it. So take that as, you know, take it as you will. Invisible Kid, your thoughts? Uh, I think I think it like kicks off like it's it's gonna have some, you know, melody. I don't know, like it, like it's like it might be good, like, and then like you said, like you know, Oscar comes in and it's just it's hard, it's just tough. Like I don't know, it, it, I thought this was slightly better than most of the other songs, but um, again, it's just like there's no reason that the song needed to be eight and a half minutes long. It's 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 just I don't know. Um, again, it's 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 an it's just an okay song that really could have stood to be cut in half. But um, well, the good news is we're almost halfway through the album. We get to my world, right? This thing starts off with a rather dark riff. Not bad, not bad. But again, the drums kick in, and I'm. Oil Can Boyd, the former pitcher for the Red Sox, comes to mind just because that's what it sounds like. The verses are, are repetitive and, and not good. There's, again, the random ideas. This is like an amalgamation of shit that they just throw against the wall. But uh, it's hard for me to even know what's going on because even though every one of these pieces in a vacuum might be good, thrown together, it just sounds forced. And then there's this like, I'll call it a new metal section with these aggressive vocals that also seem forced. And again, I think they were just trying to remain relevant and keep up with the times. Uh, uh, just not, 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 not good. Yeah. And now we're starting to reach the point where it's like, it's the album I think is starting to feel a little bit drawn out because, Oh, for sure. You know, it is the first few songs are already so long and now we're still like, uh, that was like I will say like even though I didn't find that the songs were like annoyingly long when I was busy doing something or whatever or working, but I, there were times where I would look and be like, "Holy shit, there's still three songs left and on this album." I feel like I've been listening to it for three hours. It's not that it was like a not that it was like a torturous three hours, but it was just kind of like, "All right, I'm ready to listen to something else now." Um, it made you appreciate all the other stuff we talked about earlier. I'll tell you that. Um, I tell you what, it made it it really made me appreciate Metallica's most recent album, yeah. which um kind of fell outside my top fifty, but I I did enjoy it. I listened to it a few times, and it was probably 
my honestly my favorite Metallica album probably since Load or Reload, I, I would say. Oh, no, um, no question. I thought it was their best. And I, I didn't think it was great, but there's a couple of really good songs on there. Any of those songs would have been my song of the week compared to this thing. Yeah. And even that, and even that album again, like had, um, there were some songs that were just like, it's weird that Metallica like turned into this like band where they were, their songs were so long, like, you know, seven minute plus songs. There's like uh, three songs that are over seven minutes. One song's over 11. It's just kind of strange. Um, that said though, I think it was more of a, what, what we came to love about the band um, in a more modern setting. Whereas this, I think, yeah, you know, they, they probably were trying to reach an audience that the certain audience of that time. I just wasn't a fan of that kind of music at that time. So like, this wasn't impressing me that Metallica wanted to try to like impress the new metal people when, when I wasn't impressed by the good new metal bands, Never mind the bands that were trying to be new metal bands. And a lot of the new metal bands, shit, man, if you ever listen to like an interview with like the guys from Papa Roach, they were like, we only did new metal because we wanted to get noticed. We wanted to play like Iron Maiden and like we, we listened huh. to like regular metal. Like that's the kind of band we wanted to be. That's um, cool. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think that their later releases show that as they turned away from that style and did a more traditional metal style albums like going forward. But like, you know, people are always going to remember that, uh, that first single what the hell was that first single uh pop papa roach was the song that yes that was the one that just put them over the top and it had that you know that kind of like rapping kind of um vibe to it that you know um yeah it's like there were plenty of other bands doing this better and no and nobody really asked was asking for a band like Metallica to make an album like this. You yeah. know, it's just we want you to make I'm not saying that you need to make, you know, Master of Puppets sixteen times in a row, but like, you know, people were hoping for because especially I, I feel like and correct me if I'm wrong, because this was a long time ago, but this album was posited as like this return to the metal the metal version of Metallica after this kind of like almost adult contemporary Metallica from load and reload, which I think was like, if people thought that the black album was trying to be radio friendly, I think load and reload kind of took that to a whole nother level. And um, so this was supposed to be like the return to the metal version of Metallica. And then we got this and people were like, shit, maybe I'll go dust off reload and go listen to, you know, uh, low man's, low man's lyric again. Uh, I got, yeah, I, I gotta say this, this, this was supposed to be their return to form. This was supposed to be their, uh, you know, going back to the metal roots. Unfortunately it was the new metal roots, which just sound nothing like their old metal roots. I don't know. Track seven aptly named shoot me again, because by this point, (laughs) I was I was begging for it, man. I was put put me out uh, out of my misery. Kidding aside, this is like another mid paced banger. There's an extended intro, which not terrible until those fake, well, for lack of a better word, Allison Chains esque vocals kick in and take me right out of the mood. Parts of this are unlistenable. Ironically, there is an instrumental section in this song, but again, no solos. And uh, 
all I can say is that part of the lyrics go, shoot me again. I ain't dead yet. Kind of wish I was though. And I'm just like curious. How is this the song? Like, how is this the band that wrote Whiplash 20 years prior? I just don't understand how they do it. I don't imagine that this is one of your favorites. I actually don't mind it that much. I kind of like the Alice in Chains-ness of it because, I don't know, it's just a little bit different. I feel like the times where like the things get quiet and slow down on this album are the parts that I find most memorable because it's just different and it's not just this like onslaught of... of Noise. Yeah, of just, you know, steel, like you said, steel chairs. Like, I'm getting a concussion just listening to this album. <laughs> Do you um, realize that the Master Plan album we talked about came out the same year? Yeah, guess which one I like better. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt. Uh, any other comments on Shoot Me Again, or shall we move on to Sweet Amber? Um, yeah, we can we can definitely move on to Death Magnetic. <laughs> um yeah, really. Sweet Amber starts off with this like bluesy guitar intro, which I will say is kind of intriguing to me. And I didn't mind the extended intro other than the production side of it. It has a nice cadence to it. But again, the vocals are uninspired. And I think he's like just trying to rhyme words that remind me of like a Dr. Seuss book or something like that. I actually don't mind a lot of the guitar work on this track. And I think it's one of the better songs on the album. Just a lot of gimmicks, though, and with the with the guitar work and, and stuff later on with the, some of the riffs. But all in all, if I had to pick like a second song of the week, I, I might go with this one. I actually don't find this absolutely abhorrent. I think the fact that it's short helps. Yes. Um, and by short, I mean five minutes and 27 <laughs> seconds long. Which I, is it not- makes you pine for motor breath that it's clocking in at three minutes and three seconds, I'll tell you. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I this was um, not my least favorite song on the album. I don't even know if I have one. I, it's just like this this pile of songs that all just were fine, like lining the bottom, and then like some other songs slightly like going above that bottom. But like that's kind of really it. And this was another one that I think that was a little bit higher. And I think again, it it I think that it. Um, benefited from being a shorter track uh, in comparison to the rest of the album. Fair, fair. Uh, We get to uh, The Unnamed Feeling. And like the last time that I listened to the album, I didn't even realize that this was a different song at first because again, nothing is an earworm here. The verses have a bit of a Marilyn Manson quality to it with the whispering at the outset and stuff. And then when the song gets going, Again, it's those layered vocals which just don't sound well. This is not like other bands that do that kind of thing well. I I found the guitars boring. The drums are a bit muted on this track, so that's a plus, uh, if if nothing else. It's not a terrible song. It's just boring. And there's this part on the during the bridge where Hetfield is like, I don't know, whining and it just reminds me of like an emo thing like my chemical romance did this so much better i i don't quite understand why he felt the need to sing in this particular style but that took me out of it as well yeah (laughs) (laughs) um i i thought this song was all right it's again it's too long but like I don't know that there was anything about it that particularly bothered me um, other than the length. Um, 
It was fine. Um, I kind of, I thought the purveying riff was not terrible, although it was repetitive. Um, but this, yeah, this one was fine. Um, again, like, you know, I feel like I'm not really breaking any ground when it comes to de- description of things here, but um, they don't give yeah. you much to work with. If was... I'm being honest, it's not that easy. I will say, if I was if I was going to like g- vote off half the songs on this album and make this like an EP that rolled in at about 37 minutes, I think this song would probably make the cut. Um, Interesting. I don't know. Uh, yeah, like I just—I um, thought you would just cut four minutes off every track and just have the just have each track end halfway through. I think you'd probably get to the same fine spot. Too. Again, go to YouTube, listen to listen to the uh, Saint Anger. But if it were good, um, and I don't know, it it might give you a new or at least a little bit more respect for the album. That maybe if you dig a little bit underneath, there's there's some pieces of of something good that can be unearthed. From the from the, uh, the 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 coal mine that is this album. <laughs> well, I'll say this: if 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 there's some good, maybe the lone bright spot or lone semi bright spot for me, it was Purify, the penultimate track. This is my song of the week. Let's give it a quick listen, and then I'll tell you why. Good luck choosing a minute, though. Ugh. So why did I choose Purify, right? I think it's more upbeat than some of the prior tracks. And the first few measures I genuinely enjoy. That is before the drum banging kicks in. So like you got a first few measures. I like them. I think it's a bit creative and there's some semblance of melody here. It's not great. I wouldn't call it good, but I think it's the best of the rest. And even though the vocals aren't great, at least the structure of the song I liked, and it's had this groovy element to it that I thought was cool. And the instrumental portion is by far the best on the album. Even the bridge has some moments on it as well. Still sounds terrible, but by and large, there were things that I could at least point to on this song that I liked, which I couldn't say about some of the others. Any thoughts on this one, or is it more of the same for you? I think the chorus, if you can call it that, is really dumb sounding. Like him screaming, like, rah, 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 rah. like I didn't I don't say know. I like the whole song. I said yeah, I liked it's just parts of this. It's song. just another one of those songs that I think just sound kind of goofy instead of like I know he was going for like aggressive, but it almost sounds kind of like 
almost childish in a way. So I didn't really love that. I think the rest of the song is, is okay. Um, it's not bad. And I, I definitely don't um, begrudge you for choosing it for the song of the week. But I do think that that whole like purify part is kind of stupid. Well, I, I can certainly appreciate that. You don't have to include the chorus when you let everyone hear the minute of this track. But when things couldn't get worse after 65 minutes, we get to all within my hands. What better way to end the album? This long drawn out album than you know the longest song on the album the intro isn't bad but then this song is just probably twice as long maybe three times as long as it needs to be and it's just again a bunch of ideas thrown together with whiny vocals and even the decent riffs just don't save it and the and you get to the end that kill 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 section awful and it just reeks of desperation to me this was a complete miss. I was so happy it was over, though, that I'll give it at least some modicum of credit. Yeah. 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 It's, um, this is definitely not one of my favorites. This probably, this one might have, this one would be voted off the island, I think, for me. No um, doubt. And, and so th- as we got to the end of this thing, again, Keith, I don't know what I ever did to you. Uh, I considered you a friend, but. I'm questioning everything right now. I'm so happy that we're going to be listening to something else this week, but I'm going to kick it over to you. We got. Oh, to- hey, it would have been even. It would have been even worse if he, he made you listen to this album and then got you sick in the same week. That would have been. Oh, like I double. think that would have been the worst. I, <laughs> I do agree with that, but I want to hear from you. I'm really curious. Scale of one to ten. Is what is what is this? Is this a five for you? Is it like totally right down the middle average, or is it somewhere else? I will before I tell you. I want to read what Keith had to say. Okay, um, he did the, leave us with a little blurb, and I think it was well written and deserves to be shared with our audience. So, um, before I give you my score, I will read this. Um, Keith says, "In the metal community, Saint Anger is like Jepson's Malort. Everyone <laughs> has to take a shot eventually, and its poor taste never truly leaves your mouth." Lars's snare drum is the stuff of infamy up there with Watergate and the Atlanta Falcons blowing a 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl. The fact that it hit number one in 30 countries is a feat rivaled only by tales of Greek mythology. Its legacy is scarred metal fans for 20 years and St. Anger is without question the worst there is, the worst there was, and the worst there ever will be. Also, in the words of Michael Kelso, it's funny when friends get hurt. I've been giddy with excitement awaiting this twisted birthday present from you guys for months, and my fantasy of the damned has become reality. So, um, happy birthday, Keith! And uh, well said. Well, well said. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I couldn't have said it any better. I'm going to take a shot of Malort just to get this taste out of my mouth. One to ten. Where are you, bud? Um, to me, I. I gave it a, a 4.5. Like, again, like I just, I do think that there are things we've listened to that not, while not many um, are, are worse, if not in the ballpark. Um, but uh, to be honest with you, I, I would rather listen to either of the Slayer or Anthrax albums that we've listened to. Um, but that said, like I would, you know, it's still a Metallica album, so it's not like without merit at all. Well, um, I, I'm not, even I'm not giving it a one. I, I mean, it's not right. that bad, but it's. I'm just I'm just defending my score. Um, I think probably 
most people would have expected it to be lower. But I just think that there are moments where it's okay. And like, it's just really like the world's most okayest <laughs> metal album. Like, and I get why people are upset about that because we don't want okay from Metallica, you know? And I think that I had made a comment when we were talking about our, our you know, albums of 2023. Um, and we were talking about like things that were disappointing. And I, I think I had mentioned like within temptations latest album and it's like, it's fine. It's okay. But like, I don't want within temptation to make an okay album. I want them to make a great album because they've done that many times before. And I know they're capable of it. So just keep doing it. And Metallica, you know, made three of the greatest metal albums ever, uh, which I don't, think is really debatable of uh, for most metal fans um no matter what this you is are, just, this just falls flat i no, mean that's just what it comes down to yeah and no matter what your taste is nobody's gonna say ride the lightning stinks like it's just it's a i mean it, they're, they're undisputed in the genre however this is not that and I struggled with the score because my initial inclination was well this is a two but the reality is there is music, not metal music per se, but there's music out there which is much worse than this, even though you know there's there's music out there without any redeeming qualities. This has some redeeming qualities, so I'm gonna give it a three begrudgingly. There's not a lot that I would you know I, there's not a lot that I would put this ahead of, but it's certainly not the worst album ever made compared to other metal albums. Maybe it would go down a little bit, but I'm going to give it a three. It has guitars. It has drums. It has vocals. And that's about all I can say about it. Keith, happy birthday, my friend. It, it reminds me of um, a few years ago where there was an interview with um, – I can't remember if it was a coach or a general manager of the Ottawa Senators. And he – I don't know if he like lost his train of thought or whatever, but he was just – he just ended up saying the Ottawa Senators are a team. <laughs> and that was the sentence. And so in in you know in in celebration of that wonderful quote, Saint Anger is an album. <laughs> and with that, let me transition to some news items. Did you hear about this ship? This ship rocked cruise that apparently was going to Jamaica and hit the pier due to high winds. And I was thinking about seventy thousand tons in our episode last week. And the joke uh, in my thread was that, like, just thank God it wasn't us, man, because it's it has got to be scary when that cruise hits the hits the pier. But uh, strong winds in Jamaica, not not a good combination. Jeez, no, I didn't hear about that. Um, I did hear about two planes uh, colliding on the runway in Boston uh, earlier oh, today or this morning, I believe. Thankfully, they were just, um, I believe, they were taxiing, but it caused a whole bunch of delays and stuff. So. Um, unrelated to anything but uh you know since uh this album went off the rails i might as well talk about some other things that went off the rails as well nice i uh i, I want to uh just mention a couple of other news items rapid fire uh except has announced their new album it comes out april 26th of this year it's called humanoid out on napalm Rep records the first single is coming out at the end of this month uh and a bunch of uh other tour news, I guess. Powerwolf going out on tour, doing their first full August, September, or I should say their first North American tour, doing, oh, I guess probably about 10 or 12 shows, starting in LA, ending in Quebec City, uh, Canada. 
very interesting. I know a lot of folks are actually going to the show in Atlanta on September the 8th as it kind of piggybacks off of Prague Power. And they're bringing out uh, Unleash the Archers with them, which makes for a pretty cool tour. I don't know that I'm going to see them in Atlanta, but I do have to say, you know, really cool. It's just a shame that they're playing New York City the same night as Lord of the Lost. So decisions will have to be made by some, but pretty cool that both bands are playing in, in New York the same night. Yeah, um, I actually have tickets to the show in Atlanta, uh, since I'll be there anyway. Um, we'll stay an extra day. Um, I'd say that ha- had I not seen them last year, uh, this would have been like a absolute can't miss. Um, for me, this was kind of like a, <laughs> let me see what my friends want to do. And if they want to go, I'll go. And so they wanted to go. So I'm going. Um, but I think I would have been okay. I assume it's probably going to be a very similar set list to the one we saw. But um, definitely having Unleashed the Archers on board is definitely uh, a plus because I enjoy them quite a bit. And I think that it's a good, nice combo of, of two bands, I think, probably have similar fan bases of just your, uh, you know, good old-fashioned power metal types. Um, I, I think that'll be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to that I can't promise you how much uh, energy I'm going to have after four days of prog power, especially with um, having uh, full plans to attend all four days, um, which I had not done in a couple of years. But this year, it's just uh, there's too much good stuff happening on the first two days. Um, although one band did drop out earlier today. Um, I guess we could mention that as well. Why, why don't you... Uh, Lay down the news on that. Yeah, after uh, seeing them twice last week, uh, Scar Symmetry has had to pull out of this year's Prague Power USA Festival. They are citing personal reasons, and from what I understand, it is nothing bad. It is actually quite good news on that front, but unfortunately, they are unable to attend, and I have full faith that they will be back at the festival at some point in the future, but they will not be playing this year. So that is a miss. Uh, I do look forward to seeing them at some point again in the future. And uh, just one other piece of news that I wanted to mention. After 25 years uh, plus in the band, Magnus Andreasen has left Hardcore Superstar. Their longtime drummer has left the band. I, I haven't covered them in the past on the show. That was an episode that I... Thoroughly enjoyed. I, I, I definitely think uh, this is a blow, not irreplaceable, but certainly a new direction for the band. So hoping that they... I heard that they are going to get McFoley. I could understand why. I mean, one hardcore superstar for another. It would make perfect sense. Uh, but I digress. What, are my, what am I listening to next week to cleanse my palate after what I endured this past week? Uh, give me Wu-Tang Clan. Give me Dr. Dre. Give me like the Teletubbies, I really don't care. What am I listening to next week? Well, you may recall uh, maybe a few years before St. Anger, Megadeth made a little album called Risk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Fuck you. No, what, what am I listening to next week? We will. I have a feeling we will talk about Risk at another, at another day. Straight up, I, I, I'm willing to bet I enjoy Risk more than what we just listened to. And I do not like Risk, but at least there's like one or two songs on there. That are palatable. I'll say this: of uh, Risk also had a song that was tied into wrestling because uh, Goldberg would come out to crush him for a while, 
And I got to tell you, I'd rather listen to the song Saint Anger than the song Crush Him. Yeah. I'm not going to speak of the album versus album, but with song versus song Crush Him might be my least favorite Megadeth song. We should have done both albums side by side and done them. That could have been episode 200. But again, a story for another day and an opportunity lost. What, what, what the, the title of that episode would have been called Shoot Me Again. <laughs> Shoot Me Again, please. Uh, <laughs> what, what are we listening to next week, my friend? Well, you know, it's funny. I was, um, you know, going through our, our list, our, our uh, spreadsheet of, of um, you know, albums we've done. And a band that I thought we've done more recently um, came up. It, it turns out we have not talked about this band since November of 2022. Uh, so, and we only talked about this band twice previously. Um, and this just seems like the next logical album we talked about land of the free we talked about somewhere out in space we're going to talk about power plant um which i consider the 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 gamma ray ultimate trilogy those uh, those albums um so uh i swear i thought we talked about land of the free like more recently i can't believe it's been well over a year um so i kind of wanted to complete the trifecta and talk about Power Plant, um, which was uh, came out in 1999 and was the, the second album with the um, the late 90s, early 2000s Gamma Ray lineup with uh, Dan Zimmerman and Hendro Richter, Dirk Schlachter and Kai Hansen. Um, you know, it's actually going to be a nice celebration. The, the album is 25 years old next month. I thought you were going to choose this next month, but you got there a, a month early, so... A good choice. Uh, this is that was completely by accident. I by thought the way. it might be, but no. Uh, kidding aside, this is uh, a very good choice and a very nice palate cleanser. I actually have an album picked out for the following week, and I'll just say this: a little, little, little hint. It's an anniversary of sorts for that album for a band we have not yet covered. I'll just say that. So something else on the horizon. We will push on as we get forward to episode 200 and obviously come back in early March with uh, another request. So I look forward to that. But uh, this one has gone much longer than I expected, given the fact that I didn't think we would have much to say, but here we are. Uh, It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much to all of our fans. Please give us a like and a follow. It does help others find the show. Consider joining our Patreon and lend us your support. And Chris, I look forward to pl- cleansing my palate as early as tomorrow morning when I go listen to Power Plant. So thank you. Yeah, you got it. I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to talking about this album because um, I have a lot of fond memories of when it came out. And um, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm really curious to see where um, my score and your score kind of line up with the previous two albums that we've already covered. So um should be interesting, but um, yeah, I, I always just considered that those three were really that the but the core Gamma Ray three albums that I personally love the most. Um, so uh, yeah, looking forward to that. So um, Keith, thank you for the request. Um, we you know it, in kidding aside, um, it's good for us to talk about things that aren't always you know love fests, and uh, this was fun. So happy birthday, my friend, and uh, yeah, we will uh, talk to you all soon.